Hey guys, it's Scott. I just want to thank you for tuning into the Blue Ridge Church podcast. You know, I hope this is encouraging to you. I hope it's inspiring to you. And I pray most of all, it's going to help you on your faith journey. So enjoy today. Hey, it's good to see you guys. I want to welcome you to Blue Ridge Church, whether you're streaming with us or whether you're here today. It's great to have you. Now, contrary to what our newsletter may have told you, we are not beginning a new series this week. That's next week. All right. Today, we're finishing up our series, New Beginnings. And if you've been with us, we've been talking about things that we want to have a new beginning in our life. Maybe it's something we want to improve, something we want to change. Maybe it's an area of our life we're not exactly where we want to be. And we've talked about some pretty tough topics. And if you were with us last week, we talked about how easily people become offended in culture today. And if you didn't get a chance to listen to that, I want to encourage you to listen to it. But today we'll finish that series. Now, today is Valentine's Day. I hope that's not a shock to any of you in here. If it is, you are in serious trouble or if you're watching at home and you forgot. But so happy Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day is a holiday that was created by greeting card companies. No, probably not, but they sure have capitalized on it, right? Uh, And so I was thinking about that this week. How did Valentine's Day actually start? And I started doing some research and some reading, and Valentine's Day actually is attributed to a saint by the name of Valentine. Now, the problem is there was multiple St. Valentines, and multiple St. Valentines get credit for Valentine's Day. And so I started reading about these different St. Valentines, and one of them was a guy uh, during, uh, you know, Rome's heyday, he would marry young men to young women when they were in love, but it was against the emperor's wishes. Because the emperor said, you know, if a young man gets married, he's not going to be a good soldier. So he, he basically forbid marriage, and this guy was doing it behind the scenes until he got caught and he got beheaded, and obviously it stopped at that point. And so some people say... That's how Valentine's Day got started. Others say it was a different St. Valentine, same time period, but this St. Valentine would help Christians escape Roman prisons because Roman prisons were horrible. the, The conditions were terrible. And so he would help these Christians escape until he eventually got caught. He was put in a Roman prison. And while he was in the Roman prison, he fell in love with the jailer's daughter. And I just had to giggle. That sounds like a country song, right? Just when I thought it couldn't get no harder, I fell in love with the jailer's daughter, right? Okay, I digress. But so while he's in love with this daughter, he writes her a letter and he signs it, your Valentine. So a lot of people say that's how Valentine's Day got started. But regardless, we know it's a day that's marked with love for your spouse or your children, those people uh, that you're closest to. And I thought, you know, what a better way to finish this series than to talk about love, but to talk in particular, how do we love like Jesus loves? You know, God put us on this earth, not just to take up space and to enjoy life, but if there's one thing that God wants us to learn how to do, it's to love. And how do we love the way that Jesus loved? And if we don't learn to love the way that Jesus loves, I think we miss the whole point. We miss the whole purpose and the whole point of our lives if we can't learn that. So that's what I want to look at today. How can you and I learn to love 
the way that Jesus loves. And I kind of want to look at this maybe from a non-traditional approach instead of taking one of Jesus's miracles or, or, or one of the encounters Jesus has with the religious leaders or different people. I want to look at this from the end of Jesus's life when Jesus is basically hanging on the cross and his life is getting ready to end. Because I think you see all through Jesus's ministry, uh, this teaching about love and the importance of love, but you also see it at the end of his life. And some of the things he does at the end of his life, I think teaches us how we can love like he did. And so I wanna look at it from the book of John and we're looking at John chapter 19, verses 25 through 27. And if you're following along with our notes, they're available on the Church Center app, or if you're watching online, they'll send you a link. But it says this, standing near the cross were Jesus' mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, and that's John, the one who's writing this book, and, and even though that doesn't sound like a humble statement, it really is a humble statement that John's saying, he said to her, dear woman, here is your son. And he said to this disciple, here is your mother. And from then on, this disciple took her into his home. Now, a little background getting to this point. Jesus has been, uh, he's been up all night. He's been through six trials. He's been beaten 39 times. He's lost a lot of blood. He couldn't carry his cross all the way uh, to Calvary. He's been ridiculed. He's been mocked. And basically all of the disciples except John have abandoned him. They've taken off. They've scattered for fear of the Roman government and being arrested. And everything that's going on with Jesus at this moment during uh, the crucifixion, he cares for his mother. And he cares, we'll see in a little bit, for other people as well. Despite all the things going on and all the pain he's endured and is enduring, he's thinking about his mom. Now, his mom, Mary, would have been a widow by this time. Joseph had already passed away. And what Jesus is doing here is he's setting up the care for his mom. Back in those days, you know, you pretty much had to have a man in your life to take care of you. That's the way society was set up, whether we agree with it or not. That's just the way it was. And so he's basically telling his mom, hey, here's your new son. And she tells John, or he tells John, his beloved disciple, here's your mother. In other words, you guys need to take care of each other. John, you need to take care of of my mom. And I think we can see some things here that we can do practically in our life to, love, to lo learn to love like Jesus. So the very first learning I want you to, uh, to note is this, to love like Christ, I need to take care of my family. First and foremost, that's what we need to do. If we're going to love like Jesus, we take care of our family because that's what we see Jesus doing. And again, love is not just something we say. Oh, I love you. Love is something we do, right? Love is an action. It's a choice. So in the middle of all of Jesus's pain, he does specific things for his mother. And I think they're the specific things that God wants us to do with our family as well. And the first thing we notice is that Jesus is aware of what's going on. He's paying attention to his mom's needs. He knows in that society, in that culture, that she would have had no standing. And so the first way we learn to love is by learning to pay attention to the people 
that are in our life, right? That's what Jesus is doing. He's paying attention to the people in his life. We need to pay attention to the people in our life, no matter who it is. Now, in this case, it's Jesus's family, first and foremost. It's his mother. But you think about that, paying attention to our family, that's one of the greatest gifts we can give our family. Because attention kind of equates to time, right? When I give my attention, I'm also giving my time. And we've talked about how time is the most precious thing that we have to give. We can always earn more money, right? But we can't earn any more time. So when we give our time to our family by paying attention to them, we're making the greatest investment we could possibly make in our family. And when we pay attention to them, it's also called respect. It's just respectful to pay attention to other people, right? If we say, oh, I respect my wife, but then I don't spend any time with my wife, I don't really respect them, right? Or if I say I respect my children, but I don't spend any time with them, then I don't really respect them. You know, if, if, if I've got kids and they, they want to go play in the snow or they want me to read them a book or they want to, you know, uh, play a game or whatever, but I, I'm too distracted, I'm too busy, I got my phone, I got my computer, then I really don't respect them. And so the first thing Jesus does is he respects his mother by paying attention to her. In all of his pain, all of his suffering and agony, think about all the commotion that would have been going on during that crucifixion, yet he notices his mom, he pays attention to her, and he notices what her needs are. So that's another way that we can love like Jesus is by meeting needs of the people that are close to us, practical needs, emotional needs, whatever it is. And that's what Jesus does here. He takes care of the needs of his mom by placing her in John's care, by providing for her care. And that's significant. Jesus wouldn't have had much of anything to leave his mom, right? It's not like he built this big business that he's going to leave her. He, he probably didn't have a home to leave her. So what's he going to do for his poor, aged, and now at this point in life, his widowed mother? And he provides for her care. He entrusts her to his closest disciple, his closest friend, John. He provides for her. And it's just a perfect example when we provide for our families, when we care for their needs, we're loving them like Jesus does. Now, I want to look at a verse that kind of outlines this. It's a specific example of how we can care for our family. And it's 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 3 and 4. Paul's words say this, Give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn, first of all, to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents, for this is pleasing to God. Now, Paul's talking here uh, to the church, and he says the church should show proper respect uh, for the widows, you know, and that equates to time. They should take care of them. But he says, if they have family, and, and this is where we've kind of missed this in, in history, if they have family, the family has that obligation first and foremost. In other words, put your faith into action 
Step up to the plate and care for your very own family. And in this case, they're talking about if one of your, you know, if your one of your parents is widowed, care for your family's needs. So if we want to love like the Lord, if we want to please our Heavenly Father, we care for our family. No matter who it is, we take care of our children. You know, we take care of our spouse. If we have a spouse, we take care of our aging parents. That's what this is saying. And that's a way we can love like Jesus is by caring for that immediate family. No matter what those needs are, practical or relational or emotional needs, whatever. Look at this next verse. Now, we read this once in this series already, but I want to read it again. 1 Timothy 5.8. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives, and especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Now, now that's, a, that's a powerful verse. It's saying if we're not taking care of our family, then we're denying our faith. Loving like Jesus is taking care of people. It's doing big things for people. It's doing small things for people. It doesn't have to be some monumental task. You know, a lot of you know my dad has dementia. And if you live long enough, somebody in your family is probably going to develop Alzheimer's or, or dementia. And one thing I noticed when dad was still at home, we would have to answer his questions over and over and over again. You know, my brother, my mom, me, you know, our wives, somebody would have to answer his questions, maybe the same question five times in an hour or 10 times in an hour. And just by being patient and and being willing to answer those questions, even though that's frustrating, it's really frustrating, that's a way we can show love and care for our family. And and I share that example with you because it doesn't have to be something huge that we do to love practically and to care for those that God says to care for. Here's another thing we can do as families. Proverbs 17, 17. Friends love through all kinds of weather, and families stick together in all kinds of trouble. Now, some of you are thinking about your family, and you're like, I don't know about this, right? But when it comes to family, it's saying we should stick together. We should be all in. Look at Mary and John. Jesus' mother Mary and the disciple John, everybody else has left. All the other disciples have run scared and they've deserted Jesus, but she's there and John's there. Mary Magdalene's there. What are they doing? They're providing that emotional support for Jesus. It's not a physical need here. It's an emotional need. That's real love. So I think the question we have to ask is, do we do that for our family? Do we do that for our children? You know, do do we provide that emotional support? Are we there for them? Do we show up? You know, do we speak up for them? Do we support them? Even when they're in trouble, even when they, they disappoint us, are we helping them with those emotional needs they have. What about your wife, those of you that are, that are married? Do you, do you love your wife in all kinds of weather, in all kinds of storms? Now listen, guys, today is Valentine's Day. Do you know that the Lord commands us to love our wives? Listen to this verse, Ephesians 5, 25. For husbands, this means love your wives, just as Christ loved the church. 
he gave up his life for. We're told if we're married, that we're to love our wives as Christ loved the church. And I'm going to be honest, I'm not good at this one. I'm not good at this one. Yes, I love my wife. Happy Valentine's Day, honey. I didn't get you anything. But I love my wife. But I cannot say that I love her the way that Christ loves the church. And I doubt any husband watching or that's here could say, yeah, I love my wife the way that Christ loves the church. And and Jesus set it up this way because he knows how guys are. We accomplish something, we check the box and we move on. We conquered that, yep, I'm done with that, I'm moving on. When it comes to loving our wife, because this is truly an unattainable goal that we have to keep striving for, that means we have to try to love our wife more and more each day. And it's something we will never accomplish fully. And so we're never done. So we can never stop following that verse. But that's how we love. Like Jesus, we meet her emotional needs or her physical needs or relational needs, whatever they are. And it's not just our wife, it's our family. Now let's switch gears a minute. Here's learning number two. To love like Christ, I need to take care of my spiritual family. Learning to love and real love is learning to treat others, even in the church family, as actual family. That means you treat them as good as your family. And I get we should care for our immediate family. That, that's kind of a, maybe a no-brainer for some of you, but we can't just focus on the care of our immediate family. We have a responsibility, the scripture says, to God's family as well. That's a tough concept. It's a really tough concept, especially when we got a lot going on in our immediate family. But think of it like this. Our physical family is not going to last. And that's sad to think about. But physical families end. Right? Physical families end because maybe somebody moves off or, or kind of disengages with the family or there's a separation or there's a, a divorce or, or, or somebody passes away. They just don't last. But our spiritual family, the scripture says, is going to last forever. Jesus said in Matthew twelve fifty, anyone who does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. So that means if you're in the body of Christ, if you're a follower of Christ, that that means we're all related spiritually. And I'm to treat you like I treat my other family. We're to treat each other as if and that we are relatives in the family of God. That's a tough concept. But God says we're to be devoted to one another. Romans 12:10, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Now, what's interesting, this this whole scene that that John has recorded for us that we look at at the end of Jesus' life, it's interesting to me that Jesus didn't leave the care of his mom to his siblings. Jesus had siblings. He had brothers and sisters. I think four brothers and two sisters. Half brothers and half sisters. You know, they had the same mom, didn't have the same dad But it's interesting to me that he doesn't leave her care to one of them. And I think John alludes to why, and it's because they didn't believe Jesus was who he said he was. 
John chapter 7, verse 5 says, For even his brothers didn't believe in him. It wasn't until after the resurrection that his siblings started to get it. James, after the resurrection, he gets it. He writes one of the books in the New Testament. He becomes a leader in the, in the church in Jerusalem. But it wasn't until after the resurrection that they started to believe. Can you imagine being one of Jesus' brothers and sisters? How difficult that would have been. Oh, Jesus is always right. You know, Jesus always wins. Jesus is perfect in every way. I imagine that's how my brother felt growing up with me. <laughs> but he entrusted his mom's care to John because he knew that John was on board. John got it. John knew that he was the savior of the world. But bottom line, when it comes to loving and taking care of our family, it's not just our immediate family, it's our spiritual family as well. And we're commanded to, to walk through life together. Listen to Galatians 6 two: share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. So even in the church family, we're supposed to share each other's burdens. And obviously at this church, there's different ways to do that. A lot of times it's done in ministries and groups. And I know what some of you are thinking, oh, here we go. Here's the get in the group sermon. But it's true. We share each other's burdens. Here's something else we can do to love like Jesus. Learning number three, I need to see the emotional needs of others regardless of my needs. We got to see other people's pain and hurt regardless of the pain and the hurt that we may be experiencing. You know, Jesus is in the worst imaginable pain possible on that cross. We have no idea. It's more than we could ever fathom. Just the physical pain. But think about the emotional toll on him. And what does he do? He notices the needs of his mom. Problem is when we're in pain, we're pretty self-centered, right? We're pretty much about us. We want the attention. We want the sympathy. We want the affection. But if we're really going to learn to love, if we're really going to learn to love like Jesus, we've got to learn to see other people's pain, even in the midst of our own pain. I mean, Jesus is hanging on the cross. He's carrying the sins of the entire world. He's in his final moments, his dying moments, yet he sees his mom's pain and he sees the pain of other people. He sees the pain of the people around him. What about the people who crucified him? Jesus prays for him while he's on the cross. Luke 23, 32, Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. He noticed their pain. He knew the emotional pain they were going to have moving forward. Then he said to the thief on the cross beside him, Luke 23, 43, and Jesus replied, I assure you today you will be with me in paradise. Then he noticed his mom. He's making sure that, that she's taken care of. He's not in any way, shape, or form thinking about himself, even though he's in the worst imaginable pain and agony. He sees other people's pain in the midst of his own pain. We don't do this. We are, we're about ourselves a lot of times. And we don't notice other people that are hurting when we are hurting. 
But the scripture tells us that our attitude has to be the same attitude that Christ had. Well, what is that? Be ready to suffer with others even when you're suffering. Be ready to suffer for others. 1 Peter 4.1 So then, since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourselves with the same attitude he had and be ready to suffer too. In other words, God is saying, I want you to take whatever pain you're in and I want you to use that to help other people that are in pain. It's amazing to me when I see someone who's hurt, they've lost a loved one, they're sick, they're, they've gone through something really difficult, and then I see people rally around them to encourage them. And a lot of times the people that are rallying around and encouraging them are people that have been through that pain themselves already, or they're going through that exact same pain at that same time. They're the ones that can minister to them the best. But we have to meet the needs of other people, whether it's at work, whether it's at home, whether it's in society, at church, wherever. And the kicker is that we have to meet those needs and see those needs regardless of whether our needs are met or not. That doesn't seem fair, does it? But we're to meet needs whether our needs have been met or not. And again, it's interesting that Jesus is hanging on the cross. He's literally dying. For every man, woman, and child's sins, everybody on earth, everybody that ever walks the earth, yet he cares for his mom. He cares for his best friend. He cares for a thief. He cares for those that have crucified him. He wasn't too busy with what he had going on to notice the needs, to miss the needs of the people that were all around him. I've seen families absolutely ripped apart. Because somebody in that family thought what they had going on outside of the family, whether it was the business, whether it was their vocation, whether it was their volunteering in the community, whatever. But they thought that was more important than their family and meeting the needs of those people around them. Nothing we are ever going to do will be as important as what Jesus did. Yet he made time for those that were closest to him. And those people that were all around him. Jesus was the one that said, if you want to be great, be a servant to everybody. In other words, meet the needs of other people. What else can we do to love like Jesus? Romans 15, 2 and 3. We should help others do what is right and build them up in the Lord. For even Christ didn't live to please himself. We should help others. Let people see Jesus through us, hurting people, people who are down, people who are discouraged, people who are sick, going through difficult times, whatever. Maybe the person that you need to, to build up and encourage has just been through a separation or a divorce. Maybe they just got bad news about a family member or their health, or maybe they're anxious about a job offer or a bill They've got to pay. We never know. The person that God may use you to meet needs this week, you may cross them in the grocery store. You may see them at work. It may be the person sitting beside you today or on the couch with you. It may be your child that's in their bedroom upstairs all along. But when these opportunities come up, and they will, if we have our eyes wide open, 
We need to love like Jesus when we get these needs and get these opportunities. Romans 12, 13 says, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. So how can we put this into practice? I mean, we read that verse, I'm like, oh, that's cool, man. I'd like, to, I'd like to meet somebody's needs. I'd like to practice hospitality, but we rarely do it. Put it into practice this week. Do something for somebody else. Why don't you take a meal to a single parent, a single dad, a single mom? Do you know how hard they work and they have no help? Take them a meal. Drop a dessert off to an elderly couple's house. Walk somebody's dog. Say something encouraging to somebody at a restaurant or in the grocery store. Shovel somebody's snow because I guarantee you the way the weather is, we're going to get more snow. But just do something practically to practice hospitality and to show love the way that Jesus would show love. Have your eyes wide open for when God presents these opportunities to minister to other people and to encourage other people. Whether it's meeting a physical need or a, a spiritual need or a relational need, whatever it is, he's going to give us these opportunities. And don't, you don't even have to wait on God. Just go out there and practice hospitality. Create those opportunities. And I want to kind of close today and finish up. And I want to talk to those of you that I know are hurting right now. Those of you that are in pain right now. And I know that the whole week I'm, I'm wrestling with this talk. I know this is going to be a difficult talk for some people to hear, especially, hey, when you're in pain, you got to notice the pain of other people. Or, you know, when you're hurt, you got to notice the hurt of other people. Maybe you're like John and Mary and you're grieving the loss of somebody you love. Or maybe you're struggling in your life like the thief on the cross and you have no direction and purpose and wondering where you're supposed to go. I want to remind you, no matter what difficulties are going on in the world, no matter how big the issues seem in society and culture, the Lord sees your pain. And the Lord cares about your pain. And chances are, he's going to send somebody around you to comfort you in the midst of your pain. Our responsibility when God does that is to open up and to let that healing process begin. And you may just have to tell people what your, your need is. You may have to lean on people and reach out to somebody. If you're in a ministry or a group, tell your leader what's going on and tell them what your pain is. But people in the body of Christ, we really want to learn to do this, don't we? We really want to learn how to love like Jesus. And we want to be there for the people that are in pain. So if you're in pain and God sends somebody, don't close the door. Open the door and let the healing begin. And as hard as it is, even if you're in pain, make it a point to use the pain and difficulty that you're going through to help somebody else in the midst of their pain as well. You won't be able to do that on your own. You're going to need the Lord's power to do that, but that's what he calls us to do, and he'll give us the strength and the desire to do that. And the final thing I want to say is I want to talk to those of you that are 
in pain, you're hurting, and, and you've never opened up to Christ. You've never started a relationship with Christ. Maybe it was something somebody said to you in the past. Maybe it was an experience you had in church. Maybe you were taught that you had to stop doing this and, and you had to quit doing that and you had to start doing this before Jesus would ever love you. Listen, just like the thief on the cross, just like the people that crucified Jesus, he meets us wherever we're at in life. And let me encourage you, that's initially where our pain ends, is when we start with Christ. He's the true healer of all of our pains and all of our hurts, especially when we have no purpose and direction in life. So let me encourage you, if you've never done that, man, open your heart to Christ. He'll rock your world for good. And if that's something you want to do when we pray this morning, I'll lead you in a prayer to do that. But let's pray together. Lord, I know there's a, there's a lot of people watching, a lot of people here today, God, that are in pain. And truthfully, we want to care about their pain the way that you do. We want to be used in some way to help them as they hurt. Because, Lord, we've experienced in our own life when you've helped us by sending someone to us to help us in our hurt and our pain. Help us to take the lessons we've learned today and, and be able to apply them to our life, to do something practically for somebody, to encourage them, to strengthen them, to meet a need, whether it's physical or relational or emotional, whatever it is. Help us to use our pain that we have to draw closer to you, but also to love like you with others and to help other people. So Lord, we just ask you this week to help us to pay attention to those opportunities that you send around us. And maybe you're listening as we're praying and, and that was you that I was talking about that's never said yes to Christ. Maybe you're ready to do that today. Listen, I'll lead you in a prayer right now to do that. Just say, Jesus, you know what? I've been putting this off. I've been trying to find direction and purpose and meaning on my own. And I haven't found it. And I'm in pain. I need you in my life. So the best way I know how, I'm inviting you in. I'm asking you to forgive me, but I'm asking you to be Lord of my life and you lead and you guide and you direct. And Lord, I'm asking that you start the healing process in me so I can help others. And if you're already following Christ, just commit that you're going to love like Jesus from here on out. Just one of the little practical ways we've learned. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. As we finish up, you can finish filling out those electronic connection cards. If you've got prayer requests, please put those on those cards and our prayer team will be faithful to pray through those 
throughout the entire week. If you came today worshiping through generosity, you know how to do that. And next Sunday, the 21st, we're kicking off a brand new series called Signs. And, and really, we're going to dig further into this book of John and see some pretty incredible things that point to who Christ is. So I want to encourage you, invite a friend, invite a friend to watch with you or to join you here. But I hope you have a great Valentine's Day. Those of you that forgot, make up an excuse, tell your spouse you got to go to the store real quick, but come back and see us next Sunday. God bless you guys.